Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. Let me kick off and say hello and welcome to the Not Share with Dr. Dave podcast. I am Dr. Dave A. Cornelius. Everyone calls me Dr. Dave, and I am your host on our podcast. So today we're going to dive into the topic of generative leadership. And my wonderful guest today is Earl Cobb and his wonderful wife, Dr. Charlotte Grant Cobb. Um, so how are you guys doing? We're wonderful. Thanks for having us, Dave. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know we have to start off with something fun. So I was asked us to, you know, think about a song or a spoken word that's inspiring you today. And, um, you know, are, are you able to hum a few bars or recite uh, a few words? Well, it's, it's just a coincidence because we noticed in a lot of your discussions about generative leadership, you're talking about uh, having leaders and their people to be able to, uh, you know, climb their mountain and, and yes. uh, get to that that point and, and all the work that I've done over the past at least decade on peak performance, I keep sharing also with my clients the idea of, uh, of, of not being afraid of that mountain, right? Yep. And mutually, after what, 40 two years, we have learned that ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from you to you, babe. Oh, wow. You know, That's our song. No, that is so good. <laughs> you know, that is, a, that, you know, that that's a great theme song for this series right you know getting to your yes. mountaintop but absolutely yeah well but elevator pitch right it doesn't have to be an elevator pitch but you know tell tell the audience who you are and the great work that you're doing why don't you go first oh okay well so i'll go first you know dave i am I am, I am like in our book, Living a Richer Life. I am at that point in life where I'm experiencing that lifetime of good decisions. Mm. And I, I have that feeling of completeness now. And so what I'm working to do is to influence the leaders of the next generation. But I also want to support the folks that are still here, whose shoulders I have stood on for these years and to support them while they're still here to tell their story. So that's what I'm about right now. Okay. Well, when, when I'm at home, I'm like my shirt said, I tried to retire, but now I work for my wife. Um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> to, to the outside world, I say I'm a retired corporate technologist and business executive, uh, living my best life as a uh, published author, speaker, consultant, and hoping to leave a legacy of being a good man. That's good, G-O-O-D, which, which stands for, when people think of me, hopefully they'll say he was gracious and caring. He owned all of his responsibilities. He was an outstanding son, husband, and father, and he died with no regrets. Hmm. I, I don't think Charlotte is ready for you to even like, even think about that. So be good now. That's right. <laughs> but what's what's important there is the legacy, and we're yes, sure we're going to talk about that when you yeah. think about 
the idea of being not just a leader, but being a generative leader. You've got to yeah. think about uh, your legacy. <clears throat> so, so when we talk about generative leadership, you know, what separates a generative leader from those who motivate? And how do they really create this wonderful environment where individuals find their intrinsic drive and climb their own mountains? Mm-hmm. Well, as you know, uh, one of the things that I've been fortunate enough to be able to do with the help of my wife uh, since I retired from corporate America in 2010 was to spend a lot of time in uh, understanding not just my leadership style and history, uh, but how does this whole idea of leadership fits into uh, individuals as well as organizations? And to get to your question on generative and beyond motivation, one of the key things that I latched onto when I saw that was the idea of how do you allow people discovery? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for example, uh, when I uh, was telling the people at Wells Fargo, which was the last corporation that I was a part of where I headed the, uh, all of the corporate data centers, people were asking me, Earl, are you going to retire? What are you going to do? <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to write. And they said, write? What do you mean, right? You, you, you've been an engineer. You've been a technologist. You've been a manager. You know, you, you know wh- wh- how, what are you going to write? I said, well, believe it or not, if what I've discovered over the past last 15 years of my corporate career is that I did more scripting, writing, motivating, coming up with the ideas and the thoughts that could be shared with all of my teams, upward and downward. And I've got something to write about. And what I discovered is that I can take that and I can put it in a form that I can share it. Well, you got to allow your people to get into this mode of discovery. How, how can you discover? What can you discover about yourself? What can you discover about this situation? And that motivates them more than doing some basic jumping up and down and hurrahing uh, to motivate them. Mm. Yeah, Charlotte, you're going to add or or. I, I think that's good, Dave. I, I, I'll, I'll let that sit and, and uh, you know, <laughs> marinate in that. <laughs> Just marinate in that a little bit. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's it's beyond motivation. And we're thinking about mm-hmm. the, the abundance mindset shift. That's right. right. I mean, people talk about growth mindset. For me, I want to talk about an abundance mindset where I know as a leader, I have more than enough capacity, right, to enable others, you know. So talk to me about how leaders can cultivate this abundance mindset in themselves and their teams, you know, um, just shifting away from the scarcity mindset and competition for collaboration and shared success. Yes, I, I think it. You have to really, you know, as as a person, think it's so they are right. Um, mm. You know, I, I, we are true believers in that, and uh, you know, we wrote thinkable thoughts um, to inspire people to start their days with thoughts that create, you know, stimulate creation, stimulate abundance, 
Um, and that abundant thinking, I think, is how do you inspire and encourage that in other people? And I think it really starts with asking, asking good questions. I, you know, when you're a listener and a coach, what you do is ask questions and you ask positive questions and you ask, and you're curious about what's going on in their mind. Uh, and then you can help them take, stay away from the negative self-talk and encourage that abundant thinking and that exploration and that discovery. Um, so I think it will start starts there. Yeah, yeah. And and to, the idea of abundance means that you've got not just a lot of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 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 being a deep thinker on a few topics, in my mind, you cannot obtain the level of abundance that you can have or that you should have based on where your organization, where your team, what you're being asked to do, okay? And that starts, I've learned early, okay, with being curious about many different things, okay? If, 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 if I have a team of 50 people, certainly I got at least 25 or 30 different hobbies. I've got 25 or 30 different things that people like or do. And, and if I am narrow and can't relate to that particular individual or those sets of individuals or that team broadly, then it's hard for me to have an abundant mindset. I can have a big, narrow mindset. <laughs> I can have a deep, narrow mindset. But, but, you, but if you don't read if you don't think about different thoughts, if you don't think about different levels of communication, if you don't think about different issues. And that's why I found it very difficult when I was uh, at the top of my game leading large organizations. I found it difficult not to get out there and spend the time with the people, regardless of where they are in their location and become synthesized with those local issues and, and, and those local concerns and what they do you know i mean i you know i've done a lot of things that i would naturally do like curling in montreal <laughs> okay and 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 climbing you know up a mountain in in uh in, in in oregon i mean but you have to do those things in order to really get in touch with those people if you got that type of diverse team in those types of That's diverse true. locations and i'll yeah. go and if I could go one further, Dave, I, I'm in an organization now that's, and it's a large organization, um, and they're being challenged um, from shifting away. There's a perception that they're shifting from core mission. So mm. from a generative leadership perspective, I've seen leadership encourage, first of all, not that we're shifting away from core mission or that we're not abundant enough to include what we used to do with where we're going. And mm. that's that generative leadership that says, you know, we don't have to abandon where we've been to see where we're going and figure out a way to get there. And I think that's abundance, um, including the past with the present and the future. No doubt, you know, and, and some of the stuff of getting out there, you know, mm -hmm. looking at a lean context of call a Gemba, 
walk to go and see. And so Earl has been, and you guys have been doing that, which is beautiful, you know. But you know, as as a, a generative leader, we talk trust is foundational, right? And so how can leaders create a culture of trust where they have their team members feel empowered, supported, and safe to take risk and fail forward? Yeah, this this is an area that we did a, a tremendous amount of uh, research uh, and survey uh, analysis as we were preparing to write uh, what I think is one of our, our best and very focused books called uh, The Smart Leader and the Skinny Principles. Mm. And in chapter nine of The Smart Leader and the Skinny Principles, we we dedicate to this whole idea of, of, of leaders truly understanding what trust is, mm -hmm. okay? You can say the word, okay? But, but, but trust is not something as you know, I'm sure most of the audience knows, that's given. Yeah. Trust is earned, okay? And as easily as you acquire that trust, you can lose it. And, and in that chapter, uh, which, which is based on narrative learning, we have a narrative about a, uh, about a, a leader that took over after uh, a leader that had been in this organization, a non nonprofit organization for years passed away, happened to be named Mike, okay? And the moral of the story is why couldn't you be like Mike, okay? And, and it goes out and lays out these tenets of trust, but probably the most important thing from a generative standpoint, and when I say generative, I mean uh, getting away from the normal, uh, not uh, allowing yourself to to, to get filled uh, with, uh, you know, you being the leader. And so you're entitled uh, to have that trust, but actually <clears throat> recognizing when you lose that trust. Mm. Yeah. And, 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 and understanding how can I regain that trust? And I've always told all of my direct reports that You've got to understand that in an organization, trust is the only currency you can use mm. to allow people to want to do what you want them to do yeah. in the most sincere way. Yeah. That is so profound. Mm. You know, and you see this happening where you know, during COVID, we said, oh, everyone could work remotely and we trust you and organization were thriving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like they were, and now I was like, come back. Everyone has to come back and, and force right. people back into the office. So we had a comment out there from someone, Marvin Jackson, who says, uh, returning to the office not necessarily bring back those skills in terms of relationships. But I still believe that if we had trust then, we should still keep that trust now and enable people to live their best life and still give you great value um, in your organization as a leader. So, well, and it goes back to abundance, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and can I just say, I had an experience uh, yesterday with one of my team members um, and it re really was around psychological trust. Uh -huh. um, 
I'm not sure that if you'd have asked me 20 years ago, Dave, about psychological trust, if I'd have known what that meant. But, you know, the, the, the having to, the must return to a box that doesn't fix the problems, the same problems that existed pre-COVID are still there now. We haven't fixed anything and we're not fixing it by returning. Um, the psychological trust, um, I didn't even realize I was giving it. It was just intuitive to me to, to, to try to, you know, protect someone who was feeling, um, you know, put upon to say, you know, and as it was just natural intuitive for me, but, but it, it turned out to be so very, very important for my colleague. And so I think, I think Earl and I always say, you have to make trust job one. Yeah, has to be, has to be job one. And, and it's not, a, and, it, and as you know, it's not simple because it's a, no. it's a two-edged sword. I mean, it is, yeah. uh, even as a leader, I may want to trust, but if I haven't spent the time to become familiar with two down in my organization, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if I haven't taken the time to get familiar, you know, to make sure that I understand who this team really is and, and what their capabilities really are, even though that's your manager's job. But if you if you don't have that connection, you know, just like a marriage or relationship, if you, if you don't have that familiarity, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> if you don't have, you know, the, 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 the time together, uh, you can know what you should do as a leader to extend trust, but that's hard to do when you know what's on the line and you know what your superiors and the people that you're reporting to, whether shareholders or, or board expect. Yeah. So, so if you can't just wait to say, I'm going to have this trust when 9-11 comes. I mean, I mean, when, uh, when, when, when COVID Next comes, COVID comes right, right. You, know, yeah. you, you, you start building that trust now, but also why is it important for team members to make sure they understand as mm -hmm. you started out mm -hmm. this idea of abundance and motivation, mm -hmm. all of that's a part of it, you know, yeah. uh, that words, right. Being authentic and you know, mm -hmm. all the words that have come out in the buzzwords recently about, but the idea is all those things become more important uh, in times of crisis. Yep. And Dr. Dave, I, I don't want to belinger trust, but it's, it's so super important. And I just want to, to share some these experiences, right? Especially in generative leadership, where you're creating an environment for trust. Colleagues have to trust each other. And, you know, we, we have lived in this competitive nature. And so you're looking at your colleague across the hallway or virtually on Zoom, and maybe you don't think they contribute at the same level that you contribute. And as, as a leader, it's my job to make sure that the, that trust extends across my organization and to each other. And one of the ways I've done that is to, I, I've had this question from my, sometimes my boss will say, well, that's not your job. It's not your job to, to, to fix this. It's not your job to make sure they understand. And I tell them it is my job. It is, yeah. it, it is my job. I am an eighth grade teacher in an organization. I have to teach everybody who comes to that classroom. I don't get to distinguish, dis discriminate. Everybody who shows up at my door 
gets to learn and it's my job to make sure that they do so. So I think that helps other colleagues say, oh, everybody is equally important, even if we don't contribute in the same way, right? So. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah, th those two abundance mindset and trust are foundational, mm -hmm. but one, what that really helps us to do is to begin to unleash the potential of others. Yeah. Right. So it's not like okay, just about me and and them trusting me and I'm and me trusting them, but think let's let's talk about how generative leaders identify and nurture the strengths <coughs> and right. and talents of their team members, just helping them find their paths to, <coughs> to the top. Well, if you take most of the leaders uh, that I have known and experienced, very few of them would fit into that category of being generative the way you know you defined it in, in your books and, and in your your, your, your talks. Uh, and it's easier for me to talk about it with about what they're not doing. Okay, and 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 the one thing that mistake that we all have made, I know I have, and most leaders make, yeah. is this idea that treating everyone the same is treating everyone equally. Yeah. And and that is a fallacy. Okay. Okay. Uh, same thing that you think you're doing for the person that really, really, really needs your help could be an insult to the person who really, really know all that and need another level of communications mm -hmm. with you mm -hmm. and vice versa. Right. Right. Okay. And, yeah. And can I add this, this idea of unleashing people's potential, right? Um, when you create that environment um, of trust and abundance and you find, and you allow that person to, even if it's reaching their maximum level of capacity and, and they're a C, a C student, they're a yeah. C student, okay? Do we not need C students? We need every contributor we can get. So what I do in my organization is if you're a C student, I'm gonna give you all the C stuff and, you, and they excel at the C stuff, okay? That allows my A folks to do all the A stuff that they want to do and I'm not, as a leader, I'm not um, suppressing the C performance and, and suggesting that they can't be an A performer. We have gone through some stuff together as colleagues and teammates to get to the point of understanding, you know what, this, this is what they're able to give or want to give. Um, and I want to maximize what, they're, what my team member wants to give to the organization or can give to the organization just maximize that and everybody gets to reach their <laughs> level of self-fulfillment. Yeah. You know? and, and the difficulty here, as you, as you know, Dave, it, it varies yeah. from environment to environment, from disciplines to disciplines, you know, differently if you're on a sports team or, you know, mm -hmm. so, 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 so you, you, you can take this as, you know, but there are different ways it's done in, in the various, mm -hmm. you know, careers and various job environments. I remember, uh, when I was uh, heading up Motorola Secure Communications, I spent a lot of time in the Pentagon, a national security agency, and I used to go into these meetings, and, and I was fairly young for, for my age, 
and you go in there and hear these four-star generals, right? You can sit at the table in a brainstorming section. For example, this one was, was about how to equip the space shuttle with secure communications. And you sit in this room and here's this four-star general sitting there. And the way he would use to try to stimulate discussion, he'd lay back and go, okay, now, you know, I'm the C student here. So why don't you guys let me know? You know what I mean? And everybody just relax. You know what I mean? Don't think they got to come out of some level and they can come from whatever level that they are, are seeing uh, the yeah. picture. And that's how he gets all of these various dimensions of what is possibly really going on. No, that's really great because the next step is, is that now how do we encourage failure and growth? And and that is a huge thing to treat failure as an opportunity to learn, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, how can you suggest uh, actionable ways for general leaders to create a safe space for failure, and then encourage experimentation and growth a growth mindset or an abundance mindset over just the fear of mistakes? Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing like having someone operating from a position of fear. You know, so I'd love to hear your, your insights on that. Well, my, my thoughts there go back to 1979, okay, when uh, Bob Galvin was still CEO of Motorola, the, the, the company his father founded, okay, and he did that by creating something that seemed so simple, mm -hmm. but it tried to be revolutionary, Six Sigma. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. Okay. Right. And, and the broader message is broadly publicized lessons learned. Yeah. And that's what that did. Okay. When, when you go into those reviews every month, uh, when I went in there as a, as a project manager and did my, my project reviews, my program reviews, they weren't there to necessarily beat me up because I didn't meet my financial almost or whatever, but it gave everybody in that room a chance on that performance and what's really going on to see what went right and what went wrong and what can we do about it next time. Yeah. You know, in too many places, that's hush-hush. Yeah. Or or it's narrow, narrow. Okay. But broadly publish your lessons learned. Uh, perfect example, not necessarily a good example, just recently with the Boeing and the and the uh, yeah. and the, uh, the the 379. And I'm sure Marvin yeah. has listened to uh, you know, I mean what happened there, there's no way the CEO of Boeing can do anything other than come out and say, gosh, to see that he went, wow, ridiculous, right? Yeah. He was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. So, I mean, as we create those wonderful spaces for us to, you know, unleash potential, dealing with, um, the ability to create space for, for failing and learning and growing, you know, the other thing is, is like, how do we get out of the way of, you know, without being micromanagers, right? How can mm -hmm. wonderful generative leaders empower their teams to encourage autonomy, you know, while providing guidance and support, you know, so give, give some practical strategies for effective delegation and fostering ownership in different initiatives. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would start first by saying, and it tags right back to that um, broadly publicizing lessons learned, right? Yeah. 
if, if you're not penalizing people for being wrong, uh, there's no Alice in Wonderland uh, queen cutting off heads. There are no heads on, on spikes when you walk in the door. And I've worked in organizations where Pete, you'd walk in the door and you're like, uh-oh, mm. who's in trouble? Whose head is on the spike? Number one, you want you don't want an environment as a generative leader. You do not want an environment that persecutes failure. Um, and so that carries over to that leading and managing. Um, you can manage tasks and we, you know, we've all talked about that. Yeah. Micromanaging tasks is so counterproductive to actually achieving goals. Um, it's time consuming, it irritates colleagues and really at the end of the day, it doesn't produce anything. Um, but sort of like, you, you know, Dr. Dave, when we were talking well, back in the, when we were really dealing in that agile environment and we were really talking about, you know, what gets done first, what get done, what gets done first, that's working and that's needed, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of focus, that's a leadership mindset as opposed to a task that may not actually contribute to an outcome, you know? No, but it's crazy that you, you know, I, I, we've all been in these different environments where we have a micromanager and we have some fear because of him or her. And, and so coming to work, even coming into work, you know, your mindset mm -hmm. is very cloudy, you know, oh. in, in terms of like, oh my gosh, I have to show up there. Um, let me call in sick today. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Some days you, you as the leader don't even, you don't even want to be there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that feeling. So, mm -hmm. but the, the pivot of that is to celebrate, you know, victories collectively. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, you know, getting to that mountaintop could be, could be really, could feel really personal, but as a generative leader, you know, we understand it takes a village, a team, a group of us to make things happen, right? And so how do we recommend ways to celebrate successes collaboratively, ensuring everyone feels valued and also part of the journey? That's important. Mm -hmm. Well, it gets back to this idea of publicly acknowledging the contributions, but doing it in a way that it really addresses uh, the contributions of everyone that's involved. I mean, it's yeah. one thing to say, great King team, we did this. But it's another thing to say, hey, we, we really had a great outing here. Now, Dave took the ball and took mm -hmm. it to the 14th mm -hmm. yard line. And, and even though he stumbled, he didn't fumble, okay? Yeah. And then Joe picked it up. And you know what I mean? You know, if, if you can see, if they can paint the picture yeah. of what really happened and how it happened, as a team mm -hmm. okay and, and and because that is how things happen and particularly as you get up in at the most senior levels uh, within organizations you know where you've got uh, maybe eight or nine direct reports you know and, and all of those direct reports are senior vice presidents and they you know they got very large organizations around you that you really don't know much about but you got to figure out okay how to uh, communicate with them in, in, in a way that uh, allows them to give you more input because they got more input than you have to give to them. Yeah. Okay. So how, how do you 
how do you you structure that and what's your 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 tone there but that doesn't begin you know in that meeting room i mean that has already begun years and days and times before that of them you know being able to trust you or them understanding how how deep your abundance is to understand their particular part of the of the of the project or part of the company i mean so it's it's not a it's not a as simple again as just wanting to do it it's a matter of uh, putting yourself in a position as a leader such that when that situation arises you've got all that currency mm. that you gained along the way that you can spend yeah, yeah. that's true yeah. yeah but you know you know that walks us into you know the topic of sharing encouragement um sometimes it's like how do we offer advice or, or give some guidance for aspiring leaders where I like to call them emergent leaders, right? Mm -hmm. They're not just aspiring, they're emergent. They're, they're going to find ways to lead in different ways that the organization needs. So how do we help those leaders who may not have as much confidence or experience, but really want to embrace this generative way of leading, you know, because it's, it's the way of the future. So that's yeah. my opinion anyway, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll go with you on that, Dr. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, uh, I'm just gonna go right here to this creating that environment. Um, when you work with multi-generations, mm. you, uh, and for, for emerging leaders, one of the things I would encourage them to understand is there are multi-generations multi in your organization. You don't get to just pick the digitally savvy or the most experienced or the best talkers. You have to create an environment where everyone thrives. And so how do you do that? Well, that's encouragement, right? The, the, the easiest thing for a generative leader to do is say thank you. Oh, if yeah. you say thank you, to all the people that you connect with and that are working with you it just goes a long way to to helping you communicate at the next level even having tough conversations mm -hmm. they start with thank you for the stuff you did thank you for being here thank you for your presence thank you for showing up let's talk about where we need to go next yeah yeah but if but if you have uh uh, I want to say young leader, but new, mm -hmm. new leader, Emerging, yeah. right? Who, yeah. who really needs some, uh, you talked about advice or whatever, uh, as, as you know, from, from the, the, the consulting piece, it is very difficult to know what to say or what to share if you do not know where the individual is currently sitting, mm. yeah. both psychologically Okay, mentally, okay, and organizationally. That's why whenever uh, I have a client, uh, particularly a mid-level to senior client, and they call, I know they're calling because they got an issue or, mm -hmm. or I wouldn't hear from them. Okay. okay. And when they do call, I don't try to, I mean, I'm not a shrink, but I don't try to jump right in and tell them, 
what I did at Motorola. Well, Motorola don't exist no more. <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. You know, so you, you, you can't. So, but, but what I try to do is, uh, is ask the question to try to find out what is it that they, what is the situation that they are really in right now? Mm-hmm. Because it's so hard sometimes for even leaders to recognize the situation that they're in. Okay. So I'll go, I'll, I'll talk about the organization. Has there been organizational changes recently? Oh, really? You know, did you know Joe before he became mm-hmm. head of the division? Or, you know, I mean, you begin to get a sense of, of yeah. what might be there. Because in many cases, what this particular individual is trying to solve isn't the problem that they have, isn't the task that they were given. That's, it's in their mind that that's what they have to do at this time okay maybe yeah. later on you may get to that point to where you have to think about it that way okay but but slow down take a deep breath and 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 and, and understand what is the situation truly mm-hmm. and and like michael jackson used to say the man in the mirror can't see that in many yep. cases mm-hmm. okay because of the elephant in the room which yep. is your mind mm-hmm. <laughs> and your mind is there to protect you and play tricks uh on you so it's hard so when you come to someone wanting you know then you want to make sure that that person is someone that knows that they're just not going to throw something out there yeah, and say generative this and generative that but, but but work at it in terms of the fundamentals of the issue and maybe discuss some lower level strategies to get up to another point of of strategic implementation yeah yeah so, uh, you know, any final thoughts, words you would like to uh, leave our, our listening audience with? Well, hopefully it'll be a while before you see that good on my... Uh... <laughs> no epitaphs in the near future, right? I, I want to say that, you know, this is, uh, it's 2024. And, you know, as a planet, we have been through a planet and a people. We have been through a lot and we all need to give ourselves some grace Mm. and give ourselves some grace, give others around us some grace. And, and let's now let's kind of step into this next phase together. Um, Just giving each other grace and giving each other some space to breathe and grow. That's a good way to, to kind of leave things, right? Just using the concept of grace. So I just want to say, you know, thank you for for giving your time and energy and, you know, sharing your knowledge, you know, with with this audience. Um, I I know many people would appreciate this after the fact because it goes into our, into the the podcast world of people listening and watching, you know, after this um, live event. But so, so just thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, thank you thank for, you, for Dr. Dave. having us, and uh, and I'm sure uh, we'll get a chance to talk about generative leadership again. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, just let me close by saying thank you for listening to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. Um, this has been a great opportunity to uh, spend some time with Earl Cobb and Dr. Charlotte Grant um, Cobb. You know, um, you could find this podcast on. Audible, Spotify, Google, Apple, and probably 25 more other channels.
and and um you know just one more thing do you guys want to just you know provide a way for people to connect with you well the the, the best way would be to uh just go to uh, my my company's website at uh richerlifellc.com okay and w-i-c-h l-i-f-e-l-l-c.com and you'll you'll see a lot of uh, videos about all the things that we've done and and authors that we've published and yeah. and uh, a lot of things about uh why it's important and by the way uh richer life isn't about money so if you go to it, you'll find out that there's a different definition for living a richer life oh i can't wait so i'm gonna put that in the show notes make sure everyone can get there and um, with that, you know, just just thank you again and just hang tight. Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.